Welcome back to another installment of the podcast for cultural reformation brought to you by the Ezra Institute. This is Worldview Wednesday. It's passed down as a prophecy every year about this time. Our host for today's episode is Ryan Eras. All right. Well, welcome back one and all to the podcast for cultural reformation brought to you by the Ezra Institute. I'm Ryan Aris. I'm here in studio as ever with Nathan Oblak. Joe Boots away this week. And I am also very pleased to be joined by Jeremy Bundy, who's our uh, resident videographer and creative type, and our special guest today as well. Uh, He's been on the show before. Uh, You probably know who he is. This is uh, Marcus Pittman. Marcus is the CEO of Lure TV. He's been involved in several filmmaking projects and other projects, and we are delighted to have you here today, Marcus. We're glad that Thank uh, you. glad that you could join us. And what I wanted to do is talk about your uh, your latest project at Lore and get into what is it uh, what does it mean and why is it important for Christians to be involved with creating uh, arts and media content. And how can we do that in, in an age where, you know, I mean, there, there's a lot of, there, there's not a lot of good stuff out there. How do we, how, how dare do we you, Ryan? turn this battleship around? <laughs> Are you uh, saying that some Christian movies suck? <laughs> I've, I've heard somebody say that. <laughs> yeah, that's us. Have you got yeah. something against Kevin Sorbo? Uh, no, actually, he's working on one of our projects. Oh, oh so, that's so right. Oh, yeah. Laura Glasson, I think, right? Yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah. So we're, uh, so what we're doing is we're, the way it works now with uh, Hollywood is essentially you pay 15 or 20 bucks a month and you get your streaming service. And then you trust that 15 to 20 bucks a month to some Hollywood executive who's going to take a portion of that streaming subscription and then. Uh, in turn, uh, fund content you don't want to see. And so what we decided was, well, that's not really how the market or economics should function. The consumers should buy and pay for the products that they want to see. So what we decided to do was to create a streaming platform where a portion of your monthly subscription can actually be spent on funding the projects and films and movies and TV shows that you want to watch. So, so for example, you, when you get your lore subscription, you'll get credits we'll, that we're calling lore, and you'll be able to spend your lore on filmmakers who are making documentaries or TV shows or movies. So it's a mixture of Kickstarter plus Netflix, essentially. And then once the movie is funded, you'll be able to watch it on the on on lore. Um, so, so that's ex- essentially how the model works. And the reason we decided to do that was because in Hollywood, there's only about seven or eight people that determine the content for most of the world. So it's only seven or eight people. There's the head of Disney, which is also the head of Hulu, which is also the head of ABC, right? Hmm. And then, so then you have the head of Paramount, the head of uh, Fox. Well, well, that's it. That's Disney too now, right? So, so you see like everything sort of merging together and there's less and less in terms of movie productions and 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 uh just sort of options for conservative content or christian content in general and then um recently uh 
PureFlix got purchased by Sony. Hmm. And so that means that even our Christian streaming service, no matter what, whether you think they're good or bad, uh, aren't even Christian anymore. Um, so that places us in a real danger as uh, a Christian community who are looking for good pieces of art. Uh, that places us in real danger of not having um, any art that speaks on our behalf. But it also places us in a really good position because there is no art that speaks on our behalf. So it's an open market. So, it, I mean, it, there's a vacuum of Christian content out there. So even even VidAngel, um, who's doing really well right now with The Chosen, they're they're owned by Mormons, mm-hmm. right? right? So there there really is no Christian conservative major technology brand, or no global Christian technology brand that's distinctly Christian. And so our plan is to build a streaming platform that creates art that glorifies God, that is mm. different and unique, but also to become a major technology brand so that capital that we generate can be used to uh, not backpedal to the government, not cave to the government's demands and protect employees and creators from a cancel culture uh, that they're seeing now. So, mm. Well, and I know the fact that Sony has now absorbed uh, pure flex, like you had mentioned, that's a big problem. And actually, I know, Ryan, you've spoken on this a lot of times, but uh, and maybe you want to pick up with that there. But you've spoken about how, um, you know, they'll they'll play to that Christian market. Pure flex will to capitalize on what Christians want to see. And then Sony will take that money and make something like Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah, exactly. right. right. So so the way it works is I mean, Christian films are really profitable. They only spend maybe 10 to $30 million on them, but they generate tons of money in the box office, or if not the box office, they make a lot of money in DVDs and, and Blu-rays and stuff like that online. And they make significant deals with like streaming Christian content on other media platforms and stuff like that. So there's a lot of money in Christian films, but nobody asks the question, well, what are they doing hmm with the profits right, <laughs> and they're, 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 they're using the profits of Christian films to funnel their money into their loss leaders. And their loss leaders are the gay social justice films that nobody really watches and aren't any good. Mm. Um, so, so they don't mind losing money pushing those gay films or the social justice films because they're using the profits from the Christian films to do it. Mm. So, <laughs> so we're being played. Yeah, totally. Marcus, the uh, one of the things Nate mentioned this uh, at the beginning, but one of the things that uh, that caught my eye when you first started coming out with Lure and started uh, started to launch that and promote it was this tagline that mm. Christian movies shouldn't suck. Yes. <laughs> and you've got uh, so we've just talked about how Christian films are profitable. But anyone who has spent any time watching Christian films always sees it as like, you know, this is like... Every uh, Friday night, right? Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> this is, <laughs> you know, the, they're obviously, in terms of production value, acting, there are some terrific Christian actors, but the budgets that they have for these films, uh, like, these are, these are really, like, second rate a lot of the time. Mm. Right. And, well, I've, I, I, and sorry, ahead. Marcus, before you... 
before you answer that, I know when, when we met at the um, Fight, Laugh, Feast rally in South Dakota about a half year back, you'd mentioned that you've received quite a bit of pushback over that particular tagline as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, not as much as you would think, um, but there are people that are vocal about it. And so I don't think there's any financial incentive. There's no competition in the Christian film marketplace for films to do better. Um, I don't, because, because the people are going to go watch, there's only maybe two major Christian film releases a year. And so everybody that goes to the first one is going to go to the second one. Um, There's no, there's no real competition. And uh, one of the reasons for that, I think one of the things that prevents us from actually making great Christian film is this lie that Christian movies are this evangelistic means of, Mm. of communication. So, so, you know, you can go up to an investor and say, give me $10 million to make this movie. And if it doesn't make any money, that's okay because we're sharing the gospel with a lot of people and they're going to see it. But the truth is the only people that watch these movies are Christians so it is a lot of money spent to speak to the choir um, and under the disguise that a lot of unbelievers are going to watch the movie. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's just not true. And when unbelievers do watch the movies, it's usually to mock mock it on their YouTube channels and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, so, so there isn't, uh, there isn't any, there's no real incentive to get better um, in the right. Christian film market. There's no, financial responsibility there's no there's no real um there's there's no real downside to losing money on a christian movie because they just say well so it's for evangelism it's people heard the gospel so it's okay they're they're treating movies like gospel tracks like very expensive gospel tracks Mm -hmm. um and that's just not why god made art so god's art like you know we talk about in um in Genesis one, God created the heavens and the earth. He created everything, right? And then in, in Romans, it says uh, that that it specifically states that that is general revelation, not special revelation, mm-hmm. right? And that that it, it's enough to prove to them that God exists, but not enough to get them to submit and repent and believe mm-hmm. the gospel. Mm-hmm. So if God's artwork is general revelation, why does our artwork have to be special revelation? That doesn't make any sense. And so I think Christians can make stories that aren't necessarily explicit, explicit evangelistic gospel tracts. We can just tell good stories that, that speak on moral issues, that, that convict people, that makes people go, you know, there's something not right. Because that's what the liberals do. The liberals, the liberals talk about, they talk about, um, like, say, homosexual marriage in their art for 10, 20 years, they talk about homosexuality, they normalize it. And then through their stories, uh, next thing you know, we have law, right? And I, one of our board members, Jason Farley says this really well, is that God, there's no time in scripture that God gave us law without telling us stories, Hmm. right? So the liberals are really good at getting us to adopt law through stories, whereas conservatives are not. So an example of this would be abortion, like and we're talking about abortion, right? And the, the, the liberals go, yeah, but what if 
what if someone is raped? What if the kid is like going to be poor all mm. his life? And you know, all, like it's all these stories. Um, and conservatives go, well, look at the facts, look at the data. There's a heartbeat there. Like it's all facts and stats and data, right? Whereas conservative uh, liberals are way more into telling what law they think should be through story. And so I think God, God revealed, you know, the Ten Commandments through a story to us. God revealed the law, all the law through story. Um, and, and, and the consequences of breaking the law is through story. Everything's through story in scripture. So, so uh, they're true stories, but they're still artistic in, in the nature of how they're presented and stuff like that. So, so I think, um, I think that's important for conservatives to understand that we don't, we, we can actually, we can actually influence the culture by creating stories, even if we don't necessarily offer up that solution right away. Mm. Um, we can still make stories that are just good stories that make that, that appeal to humans as the image of bearers of God that they are. Mm. And then unbeliever will see it and it's uh, sort of the proverbial put a stone in their shoe. Right. That's right. Yeah. So, I mean, we, I mean, we watch secular films and we have a stone in our shoe. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of people watch those films and eventually they're just the next thing, you know, they're saying, no, you know, maybe we should allow homosexual marriage. Maybe we should allow men to be women. Mm -hmm. Right. Cause they've just been in, they've been indoctrinated through story hmm. for a decade. Hmm. So something I'm just trying to think through here, Marcus is, um, you know, we talked about Sony uh, buying up PureFlix. Well, obviously they're doing that because PureFlix is profitable. There's a lot of people paying money to see these films. I And I'm just wondering, what, what do you think it might be about kind of contemporary Christianity in the West that makes us readily accept and even enjoy often poorly made art? I got, I got to say... I didn't realize Pure Flix was still around. Hmm. I, Maybe it all falls it so, under the sounds, Sony banner now. It sounds like they're doing well. <laughs> well, I think um, I, I think one of the reasons why Christian films make a lot of money is uh, one, they're cheap. They're cheaper to produce, so so they don't spend twenty million dollars to get one actor to be mm. in the movie. Mm -hmm. um, and, better ratios, and, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, and and so so there there's less financial risk in making Christian film, and also too, um, depending on who makes it, some of them are non-union, so they're they're making films at a much more reduced cost than sort of Hollywood's inflated prices. So I think I think that's one of the reasons Christian films make money, but they also make money because people feel. Uh, because there's this lie that's told. It's a problem for the Christian film industry right now. It's that, um, hey, pastor, why don't you? We actually had a guy tell us that lore would not succeed because the Christian film industry is dependent on pastors buying all the tickets in the theater mm. um, for their congregation. Right. And so they said they said a streaming Christian streaming service won't succeed because the pastors have to buy all the tickets in the theater and that's how Christian movies make their money. But it's like, well, guess what guys? Theaters aren't doing well right now. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so you can't rely on that anymore. But the truth is 
Pat, the, the, because that's all the lie that this is going to be an evangelistic outreach. We're going to go watch this movie and it's going to be an evangelistic outreach. And um, that's just not necessary. Like, that's just not, it doesn't need to be that way. We should be able to compete with our films mm. in the exact same marketplace of ideas as everybody, every other film. Mm. And, and I think, you know, one of this, one of the things we say at Lore is may the best story win, right? The Bible is a storytelling contest between two sides and the best story will win. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that, uh, that you've been talking about in this conversation, Marcus, is how conservatives have by and large lost that storytelling element. And so I'm curious, you've got, you've got a platform that is trying to empower conservatives to uh, support and create and get the, the content and the entertainment that they want. But it seems to me from the, like, that the situation we are in is that Christians often don't know what they want because we've had a generation of sort of secular copycats. Mm. Uh, so I just want to know, so is that, uh, has that been an issue or how are you solving for that? Well, I think, you know, when we go back to the, the phrase on our shirts and that we use at Lord Christian movies shouldn't suck. And I think one of the benefits to that is you have these Christians who are at all levels of Hollywood and then they are, um, you know, they're at all levels of Hollywood and they see Christian movies shouldn't suck. And they're like, finally, somebody gets it. Right. We've talked to people that have won awards. We've talked to prop masters who have made costumes um, that for sure you would recognize in the movie industry. They've made props you for sure would recognize in the movie industry. And we've talked to Emmy, Emmy winners. We actually have a two-time Emmy winner working on our PKs project right now. Mm. And so there's this, uh, there's a lot of Christians in Hollywood who are doing really incredible artistic works. Um, but they, there's a few at the top who are sort of making the financial decisions and telling them what to do. And so if you can create an organization like Lore that says, look, you don't have to make the crappy Pure Flix stuff when you come to work on a Lore project, you can actually do the best as God requires. And we want to pay you what you're worth. And we want you to do the work that God has made you to do. And so that's sort of our goal. And that's why we have the Christian Movie Shouldn't Suck shirt, um, because it's pulling people who know that they don't have much time in Hollywood anyway. I got a few messages this week from people who said they had to uh, they had to quit their job in Hollywood because of the vaccine mandates here. Mm. Um, so it's not going to be long for them anyway. So the, the, the urgency really is now for conservatives to really back solid filmmaking endeavors and 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 that and that's sort of what what needs to happen hey marcus i got a question for you um so those are the people that know the need for good christian art but do you ever talk to anyone who actually thinks that you know pure flicks is great uh that the stuff coming out now is is good because what i've kind of seen up here is that weak worldviews breed weak art or love for weak art Right. So how yeah. are you how are you dialoguing with those people? What are you doing to convince those people mm-hmm. that lore? Uh... I'm not I'm not trying to convince them. OK, 
I, 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 th- I don't like, I don't like there. So I actually worked for pure flicks. I did. Well, for the agency, I did that. I worked for the agency that did their advertising for about eight months. And I learned very quickly that pure flicks knew that the Christian movies were only going to be in the theaters for about two to three months. Uh, sorry, two to three weeks. Right. And so they needed a way to sell the movies after they were out of the theater um, and so the way they realized was, well, we can sell our movies at Lifeway bookstores or family bookstores or so, something along those lines. And so in order to do that, they, they said, okay, well, who is the shopper at Lifeway Christian bookstores? And they said, mm-hmm. well, it's 35 year old moms and up. So that's why Christians movies have this sort of hallmark women vibe to it like all the movies are made for women uh that's because that's who was going to be buying the dvds later on and so when i say that i'm not interested in convincing the people that are into pure flicks movies it's because lore is going to focus towards 18 to 35 year old men um and make movies that men want to see um and so they don't have there is no market for conservative christian men male films uh, there's nobody's doing that. And so that's sort of our our role, our model is to go after that. And the way we do that um, is we let men be men and make the movies that they want to make. And so that's one of the things about giving artists freedom, obviously freedom within God's law, but freedom to just make what they want. Where Lore isn't going to come in and say, you know, you should probably hire this actor instead of this actor. And Laura's not going to come in and say, we don't like the line in that script. You should change that. Or, and, and we're not going to come in and say, you know what? You need maybe two more black actors in primary roles. Or mm, <laughs> it's yeah. a fire the white mm, people. Yeah. Right? So, like, that, you know, so that's, that's sort of what's happening in Hollywood right now. You have people on set in Hollywood that are from the studio, and they sort of tell the director what to do, and the director has to do it. And we're saying, look, if the if the if the audience is going to pay you for the movies, then the audience should be the one making those decisions ultimately. At the end of the day, not the executives who think they speak on behalf of the audience when it's clear that they don't. And so, so yeah, so we're not trying to convince um, people who have bought into the pure flex sort of line. I think we're going to convince them anyway because they're going to see our content and they're going to want to watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and eventually the, I think people like pure flicks and people like uh, VidAngel or any other Hollywood studio that wants to make a Christian film is going to have to look at what we're doing um, and try to, and we'll push the push things forward. Mm, right. We're totally going to lose our pure flicks sponsorship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I actually just canceled my subscription before coming on the show to make sure. I was... <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm going to talk to Marcus. I got to cancel this thing. <laughs> well, Marcus, uh, just switching gears a little bit here, although there's certainly a common thread, is you were recently at the uh, Fight, Laugh, Feast conference in Tennessee just last week. And um, I just want to uh, dig into a, something you tweeted uh, just shortly after the conference, but um, I'm just reading from your tweet here. You wrote, Dirt, it was the, like the dirty jobs of Christian conferences with lots of blue-collar workers, lots of normal everyday people, lots of business owners, people who are building things, people who are taking dominion. And then you made the comment that Big Eva doesn't understand how blue-collar millionaires 
are more powerful than them. And there's a, there's a lot there that I'd love to have you elaborate on. And, and one, you might want to just, um, some of our listeners may not understand what you mean by big Eva. So if, if you could maybe <laughs> expand on that a little bit. But really what you're saying there is that the strategy of the people at this conference and the group they've assembled, this is a better strategy than what Big Eva is doing. So clearly you're saying there that Big Eva's strategy is inherently wrong as well. So I, I wonder, there's so much there. T take that any well, direction there, you'd well, like. There's but. a lot wrong with Big Eva that's <laughs> more than that. But, <laughs> but I, think, I think, so for your listeners, Big Eva is really just a, a slang term that's been coined recently to really identify the evangelical industrial complex. Mm. And that's the, in America for sure, that is the organizations like the Gospel Coalition, um, organizations like uh, the book publishing industries, Zondervan, right? right? Like, so all the Christian major publications. And so these organizations formed out of the book publishing industry. And so, um, the, you know, the Gospel Coalition was formed to teach pastors and stuff. Originally a really good mission, but recently they've just bought into a very serious liberal, not even hiding it, liberal Marxist ideology. Mm -hmm. um, and so the way they've done that is the way Marxists do that, and that's through taking over the academic institutions. And so there's a lot of talk among Big Eva about getting your PhD, going to seminary, going to their schools. They have to be accredited, right? They like they have to be schools that are, you know, recognized and accredited. James White's not accredited, so we can't even listen to him. He has nothing to say mm -hmm. for us. Or like just those are the silly, ridiculous arguments that you hear is that that, that your your education mm -hmm. is only valid through their systems that they've instituted. Mm -hmm. And if you want to get a book publishing deal. If you want to have something to say and get a platform, you have to go through their means. And, um, and so what the great thing about the fight, laugh, feast conference is, is, and, and for those, for those that don't know, uh, Mike Rowe had a show called dirty jobs on discovery channel. Did, did y'all have that in Canada? I don't even know if you guys yeah, had, oh, yeah. had that. Show. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, so we so, had to get it on the radio up here, but <laughs> in, in my igloo, you got a ham radio. Yeah. So, but uh, no, um, so he had, so he had a show called Dirty Jobs, and he would just go and travel, and he would meet farmers and plumbers, and just these people that do the what most people would think would be the worst jobs imaginable. Uh, but you know, like he said in some of his talks, he's like he would meet these guys and these guys were millionaires, right? They're garbage men that are, are millionaires and they're plumbers that are millionaires and they're super smart, intelligent people, never gone to college, um, but they just learned how to make money. And so that's sort of the thing that, um, you know, that, that, that big Eva doesn't understand if is, is that they're not going to have, if they're turning off the plumber millionaires and the, and the and the farmer farming millionaires and all these blue collar denim jean jobs, uh, then they're not going to get the funding that they need to continue their mission. Mm -hmm. And so when you come to a fight laugh feast conference, and you see people who have these businesses and they have these jobs and they're making money and they're supporting their family and they're not pastors 
and they're not authors, and they're not in the theological uh, realm so much, you see that, man, there's a lot of capital available within the Christian community um, that is being developed and being made, and that capital and that brain power can be used to build businesses and build brands um, that that are um, going that can actually change the world at a local level. But that that's what that's why if you talk about the Five Life Feast Conference, to talk about um, you know it starts with your family and just taking mm-hmm. care of your family. Mm-hmm. And if you want to take care of your family, that means you're going to work hard and you're going to get a job and going to be entrepreneurial and you're going to you're going to try to make a living for yourself and so so that is radically different than saying i'm going to go to college and i'm going to spend a hundred grand go into debt and get a philosophy degree and then try to write a book and hope it sells um like you know you know you can just write the book now (laughs) probably won't be as good but you can you 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 can't get that education to do that Without going through those systems, getting into debt, like there are ways to educate yourself in the areas that you're passionate about without having to go through those systems. Like I can watch um, a video on, on YouTube on how to change a tire, and then I can start watching videos on how to change my oil. And before you know it, after enough practice, I'm a mechanic, and I, it was just all through YouTube videos. I didn't get certified through some government agency. I didn't have to do any of that. I just educated myself based on what I'm passionate about. Um, and I'm, I'm not passionate about building cars. So that's not me. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, Marcus, that, uh, that last point, something I wanted to, uh, to circle back to, you know, obviously you're passionate about uh, art and creating good film and like film and TV in particular. Uh, I said at the beginning that this is this is the podcast for cultural reformation. So if uh, you know if if you're willing to just sort of act the unaccredited philosopher for a minute, uh, okay. <laughs> what to, what is our what is our entertainment? What do our uh, our entertainment and artistic tastes and preferences and emphases? Uh, what do they say about us as a culture? How do they inform us as a culture? And how is how is art a means of reforming culture? Hmm. Yeah, so I, I think, you know, judgment starts in the house of the Lord, right? So I think when we have weak theology, we have bad art. And this is why hmm. I've never seen, um, you know, if you we have America's Got Talent, right? Hmm. And on every, every season of America's Got Talent, there's always a drag queen on there that sings, right? Man dressed as a woman sings, and it's always terrible. And they, and I feel like they, they call them drag queens because they drag them into the final rounds um, just so they can get the diversity points. But then they're, they're never really good. And, and there is something to say about your worldview making your art. When you look at like the Reformation art, like Raphael and like he, he believed that men um, were uh, born with sin and they were, they had flaws and you look at their paintings and there's warts and zits. And then you look at like the Renaissance art where they believe that man is God. It's very humanist. You Mm -hmm. see the David and he's a perfect carving of a man and there's no flaw 
right? And and he's got giant hands because that was where they, they put their value in man. And then he, so you just compare Reformation versus Renaissance art, and you see that men do not look perfect in Reformation art. And it's because of the Christian worldview that said men are inherently wicked and sinners, and the world is not a good place. So their art was better. And then that, that transformed into our writings. If you look like Paul Bunyan in The Pilgrim's Progress or C.S. Lewis, Chronicles of Narnia, Lord of the Rings. So what did I say? Paul Bunyan. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> Paul Bunyan's something different. It's a different story. Yeah, that guy. And then, and then so if you look through the stories, you can see um, sort of there's just this complete difference in art. And then over the past, you know, maybe 50 years, we've sort of gotten the Christians out of that marketplace hmm. and left the pagans to sort of define what is art. And because they're image bearers, they are, have been capable of doing really great things. There's been really great movies uh, by unbelievers. Um, but I think if you were to take um, Christians who aren't dependent on the luck of being an image bearer and they're, they have the worldview to back it up, then I think you're going to see a complete radical shift in storytelling and art that, that um, God is going to bless and prosper. Hmm. It seems like a lot of the issue here is something we go on and on about here at the Institute, but it's really a lot of Christians fundamentally holding to a truncated worldview. So thinking that living reformationally means merely assenting to a couple of facts concerning soteriology, but not letting that orthodoxy inform their view of the arts, their view of economics, their view of politics and of course, we go on and on about that yeah. in nearly every podcast. And this is it's kind of a master key that reformational philosophy and like cultural commentary has something to say about mm. everything. Right. Which right. is kind of cool. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I don't know, was there a question in there? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought you were running with it there, right? Oh, okay. No, I just I just wanted to get that in. <laughs> I have a question oh, just oh, Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh no, I just I just had a question kind of breaking it down uh to to practical steps for younger artists looking to um mm -hmm. begin taking dominion through the arts. And do you have any steps for for uh the the generations coming up uh, on what they can do to best position themselves as artists to to take dominion like it, it's really hard uh, at least in Canada where we're just getting taxed and you know you you think about the need to make money and provide for your families how how are um, how are young artists supposed to balance that and how can they uh, take yeah just take some steps towards successful uh, you know taking yeah, I, think, I think I think if you're an artist and you want to make content I think you should just start making content I think you should just start making it start putting stuff out whether it's a one minute short film or you're practicing editing for a friend. The only way to get better at this is just to do it. It's not to go to a film school. It's not to go into debt. I think it was Darren Doan that said, you know, you're going to spend $50,000 on the film school and you're going to walk across the stage and you're only going to have an iPhone in your pocket and you're not going to have any of the fancy equipment you used in film school. You'd be much better off taking $50,000 and investing in camera gear and then learning how to use it, because then at least if you're not good, 
you can sell your camera gear <laughs> and get your money back, right? So, so I think like that's sort of the strategy. Just make stuff. You you know the phones nowadays having you know have incredible quality um, in terms of where they were you know just ten years ago when I was selling I was selling cell phones with the first flip phone while, while I was in school, right? So so I think compared to now, I mean now you could make you know Steven Soderbergh I think is his name did a whole movie on Netflix that was just shot with iPhones, <laughs> right? So, so, so you, you can um, make movies with a phone in your pocket. Um, and then from there, you can figure out how to make money uh, with the phone in your pocket. And once you've learned to make money, you can actually invest in gear and cameras and stuff like that. And so, so that's sort of the strategy I would say is, is just to hustle and to make stuff. And as Darren Dunn says, try, if you really want to be in the film industry, go out and film 30 sunrises in a row and don't miss one. And then, and then that's the, the standard to see if you have the work ethic required to be in this mm -hmm. industry mm -hmm. and the hustle. So, so I would say do that, do 30 sunrises in a row without missing one. And then send, and then send me the video and I'll see what kind of work I can do. For, I give for you. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And I think one example on that too, that you've pointed to on Facebook, I don't have Twitter, so I just see all your, I don't know if it was on Twitter as well, but would be that example of uh, Kababy or I don't know, I'm not sure how you say the, the account, but how he's got like 80 million followers and he's doing all his content with an iPhone, right? So just beginning wow. at, you know, a place that's simple and he does the, uh, the how-to videos, like he mocks the how-to videos, right? Oh yeah. Um, What's his name? Uh, I, man, I forget his name. It is this. Something, it's, something uh, like Kabi. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes so uh, it's a guy he's he's in france he's french uh and he just made he just got to 100 million subscribers on tiktok and he hasn't even ever said a word in any of his videos wow. he just makes facial expressions and stupid how-to videos um and so so it doesn't take it doesn't take anything uh to get to a point to where you can really build a platform for yourself um and, 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 and so I think, um, you know, you see that, I mean, you see that happening. So, so that, you know, Christians should be the ones doing stuff like that, you know, mm -hmm. just being, mm -hmm. just put out content on TikTok and building a platform for yourself. I mean, TikTok's incredible, even though it's done by the Chinese, it's still an incredible tool that can really be used to build your brand and businesses. I mean, cause you can upload 10 second videos and 10 sec, you know, 10 second video takes maybe five minutes of your time in a day. And you can get a hundred thousand views at the end of the day. So, so it's an incredible tool to really reach an audience and uh, and and pump out content and just to see if there's an audience that even likes your content. Hmm. So, which is important too. So, hmm. all right. Well, Marcus, uh, I know that uh, you got another appointment coming up. We really appreciate your time. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I want to say one more thing. Please do. Thing. Yeah, we're uh, we're <laughs> here for it. Yeah, this is this is important. We're ta I was talking to uh, a guy who spend who in helps investors invest hundreds of millions of dollars into Christian movies, and he 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 laughed at what we were doing. And I want to I want to say this to any conservative investors out there: we need to take risk with our money. Liberals are really good at. At, at seeing the future in terms of where they're investing. Mm -hmm. 
right? The liberals are really good at seeing the the, the things that are going to happen, um, and then and and conservatives like to not take as much risk when they invest their money. Um, but I, I want to make it clear that as Christians, as conservatives who have money, we need to start thinking about in terms of it's not a sin to take a well-calculated, well-studied, well-looked-at risk and then lose your money. It's it's a sin to just be frivolous with your money. Mm-hmm. Liberals are really good at taking those well-calculated risks, and they're, they're coming into these tech industries, and they're buying into the startup rounds. And by the time the conservatives want to get in there with their money, there's nothing left available because the Marxists have taken it all. And so mm-hmm. when, we, when we talk about building a business or building a tech industry, I really want to encourage Christians to not bury their money in their sand, especially when we talk about these blue-collar millionaires, right? These guys are going to be building up a lot of capital really soon, especially when these they're doing stuff under the table because the government won't let them make a living anyway, right? So there, there's going to be a lot of capital available. There's going to be this sort of thing. I just want to encourage Christians um, that there there is no difference between uh, a pre-revenue movie and a pre-revenue company. All movies are pre-revenue. And so just be thinking about that because uh, why, why spend 10, 20, 50, $100 million on one movie when you can build a platform that's going to make them all? Mm-hmm. 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 So that's the sort of future forward thinking thinking we need among Christians, conservatives, and investors. So, But thank you guys for having me. It was, it was yeah, great. Yeah, of course. It's Marcus, great to have you on, Marcus. Yeah, thanks a lot for being here. If anybody wants to watch on Lure, invest in Lure, get something produced on Lure, uh, where where do they go? Lure.tv, L-O-O-R.tv. Oh, before you leave, what's with the name? Oh, yeah, the name comes from uh, the, the prefix for laurels, uh, like film festival awards oh. or the awards. Oh, okay. in the, yeah. So it, it means it means an award, uh, to give an award. Mm. So our subscribers are going to be giving a lore awards to um, the the films that they see made, they want to get made. So that's where it comes from. All right. Really appreciate it. Marcus Pittman, thanks for being here. We wish you uh, all the best. Uh, we'll be watching closely and talking again, I'm sure. Okay. Thanks, man. Thank you for listening. This has been the podcast for Cultural Reformation. We're excited to be back with a new season this uh, this fall. We remind you once again, as ever, that from him and through him and to him, that's Jesus Christ, it's are all things. To God be the glory. We'll look forward to a brand new episode with Joe Boot next week. Time.